Hi, I'm Leora, and this is the Simply Lighthearted Podcast. This is a place where I hope that we all come to hear some stories and to walk away feeling a little bit lighter. Stories are such an important part of our lives. Stories help us feel seen. Um, Stories help share our lives with one another. And I think it helps us feel a little less alone. And so I hope that as we listen to the podcast this week and as we talk together, that we will come away from this time feeling a little bit lighter. Over this Advent series, I've been looking at different biblical stories through the lens of disruption, where things have come up in people's lives and it's created some chaos or confusion or change or something that was unexpected for the person that lived it out. I've mostly been talking about the biblical stories and sharing a few of my own and I'm going to keep on in that same vein today. I'm going a little bit out of order with our stories today. I just was thinking about it over this last week, and this is the story that has been on my heart. The story of the the kings that came to Jesus. We usually wait to tell this story until after Christmas because, well, to be honest, those kings came after Jesus was born. And I'm going to get a little bit into some different ideas about maybe when that was. Um, but it's, it's, it's usually told after Christmas, but I've been thinking about it a lot today in particular when I was thinking about what stories do I want to share? What kinds of things have been on my heart? And one of the things that I've been thinking about is that life sometimes takes a left-hand turn or a right-hand turn in a way that we thought we were going to be going straight ahead And instead, our life takes a detour. And this isn't a small detour. And this isn't like if you keep turning left, you're going to get back on the same path. But this is the one where you turn that left turn and it takes you a whole other direction in your life. And I think that is part of the story with the wise men that are in the Bible story. But first, I want to share with you a little bit about my story and some of the left-hand turns that happened throughout my lifetime. When I was in um, kindergarten, we were a part of, I was a part of the graduating class of the year 2000, which was for some reason a really spectacular thing. It was highly celebrated. Um, There was extra ceremonies put in place because it was this big deal to be graduating in the class of the year 2000. When I was in kindergarten, I remember that we had to build capsules. We had to make these things uh, about what we thought we would be when we grew up. Um, We would put things in there. And I actually don't even remember ever opening the capsule. Maybe if classmates are listening to this, you can let me know (laughs) if that ever happened. But I remember in kindergarten having to put together these capsules. And I remember sitting there and we were asked, and as most kindergarten students are, and you are throughout your lifetime, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which I think is a horrible question to ask children. um, Because, (laughs) well, I feel like it's horrible because I felt horrible about it. I had no idea. I felt like everybody else had a hot clue about what they wanted to be. Like they knew they wanted to be doctors and firemen and some of them, you know, some want to be unicorns, but, and, and that's kind of an impossible thing, but it doesn't matter. They're sure they know that that's what they want to be. But I remember this feeling and this sense of panic when it came to the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And I remember sitting there and I was drawing and my two friends next to me, they both wanted to be teachers. And I looked at their drawings and they were drawing a picture of a desk and a person standing behind it or, you know, as best as a kindergartner can draw that kind of picture. But that was kind of the image. And so I thought, well, maybe that's something I could do. And so I started to draw the same, a picture of a desk and a person standing behind it. I want to be a teacher when I grow up. I don't think I really knew what I wanted to be. Fast forward to my graduating year of high school and so many of my friends knew what they were going to do next. They knew that they were going to go into learning uh, for particular um, careers that they were interested in. They were learning about sciences or they were going into a practical uh, trade or they were just going to go into the workforce. It felt like everybody knew what they wanted to do when they grow up and what they wanted to do when they graduated. And I just didn't feel like I knew. I questioned about for as long as I could remember feeling a lot of panic about not knowing what I wanted to do. And so I decided I would go to Bible school because I felt like if anything was true about me was that my faith was really important to me and no matter what career I chose or what I did with my life, that my faith was always going to be a super important part to me. So off I went to Bible school and it was a phenomenal experience. I enjoyed it so much. I learned so much. I made such fabulous friends. It was the best thing I could have done when I graduated high school. It was, I was 17 years old and I went off from Quebec to Wisconsin and spent two years going to a really amazing Bible school. It was at the time called New Tribes Bible Institute and um, it was some of the best years of my life were spent there um, learning about God and making such valuable friendships. It was such a beautiful time in my life. But then, then those two years were up and it was still that big looming question of what am I going to do now? Like, I don't know. What, what should I do? And so I was like, well, maybe, I mean, it was a missions focused, missionary focused type of school. And I thought, well, maybe that's what I want to do. I don't know. It, I love Jesus and I want other people to love Jesus. I want them to know him. So maybe, maybe that's what I can do. And so off I went uh, on a short term missions time to Papua New Guinea. And I spent three months there um, helping the missionaries and just kind of trying to sort out, is this what you have for me, God? Is this what you want me to do? And then I came back to that idea of maybe I want to be a teacher. Maybe I want to teach overseas and, and like and to the missionary kids, um, the ones that live over there with their parents and still need an education. Like maybe I can be a part of that because I just I didn't really feel called to go into a tribe and learn a language. I didn't really feel like that was my gift. Um, I didn't really feel like I was supposed to do something particular like that. But I thought, oh, man. I think I can be a support person. I think I can be somebody that's behind the scenes and do something to help other people share God's love with other people. So that's kind of what I decided to do. So I came back to Canada and I was a nanny for a little while. And then after that, I went on to school to become a school teacher. And while I was there, I was pretty sure I finally had figured out what it was I was supposed to do. I was going to the mission field and I was going to work with kids. And I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but I was in training to be a teacher. So I was going to use that to be able to love on and care for kids somewhere in the world. And I was on a mission. I was sure that that was where I was going to go. For the first time in my life, I felt like I knew what I was supposed to do when I grew up. 
<laughs> it was one of those times in my life where I just felt so sure. And uh, so I was, I was supposed to do three years of uh, school in, in, uh, to become a teacher. And uh, so I did it. I, I did that. But in the midst of that, God had other plans for me. Plans that I didn't think about. I mean, I did think about it, obviously, because it was that I met a guy, a really great guy. And he uh, asked me if we wanted, well, we started dating. <laughs> and after we started dating, well, what comes next? Well, we got engaged. And then after that, we got married. And through this, we're having all these conversations. And um, we had talked about what we wanted to do with our lives. Like, where were we going to go? What kind of career was he going to do? And we both still really felt like our faith was very important. And we wanted to be involved in ministry somehow, somewhere. But we weren't really sure what that would look like. But then as we got talking, it became clearer and clearer that we weren't going to be going overseas. We weren't going to be going somewhere beyond the borders of Canada. And unless God, I mean, at any point, God could change that, obviously. But it didn't seem like that was something that we were personally being called to do. And so the sure thing that I had, this knowledge that, okay, I know what I'm going to do next. As soon as I kind of thought I had it figured out, it's then that God stepped in and was like, actually, no, I have something else for you. I'm like, something else? I thought I had this figured out. And it was then that it was like, right turn. You're staying in Canada. Okay. All right. Well, the education that I had got wasn't quite enough to make it so that I could actually teach in Canada. I could teach internationally, but not in Canada. And so I would have had to do more schooling to teach in Canada. I'm like, really, God? Like, that's... I, I chose this place and this time so that I could go in this certain direction. And, and now that I've kind of arrived there, you're changing the plan on me? Or taking a right turn? Okay. And that was a really hard season. It was really a lot of juggling, of figuring out, okay, what are we going to do here? Where are we going to go? While we were living in Three Hills, neither of us really felt like the careers or the jobs that we had were long-term careers. It, they were both really great jobs, but we just both didn't feel that satisfied in that positions that we were in for the rest of our lives. And so we knew we both wanted to keep growing. And in order to keep growing, we knew that we needed to go somewhere else to either further our education or go where there was more job opportunities. And so we moved to Vancouver Island um, and with the intention of starting school. At least for me, I was going to do school and Dylan was going to work. Well, something else came up. <laughs> we, instead of doing school, I went and got a job at a daycare and I absolutely loved it. I was like, I have found my thing that I love. This is what I want to do. This is what I was made for. Working with kids all day with a great group of staff and just really getting to invest in the life of, lives of kids and, and not being one of the hard things I found about teaching was just how how structured it has to be. And I get that it has to be that way, but I had a really hard time because I saw the diverse needs of the kids and I didn't know how to, to honor those diverse needs. And I, and I really wanted to. And, and so when I got into daycare, I was able to honor the diverse needs of the kids and really support them well. And I just 
loved it. It was such an amazing time in my life. And as I was in that career and Dylan was doing his thing, working in carpentry and working towards his goals of being a Red Seal carpenter, we were like, okay, this is, this is the direction. Okay, we've got a good way that we're going to go. And then God gives us another turn and we start going another direction. I started working uh, as an interim just to try to fill in and help fill a spot while they were looking for someone full time to work as a children's director at the church that we were attending. Um, I agreed to do it part time and just as they were looking and I was not at all in any way going to go and take on that job full time. I loved what I did at the daycare. But over several months and lots of prayer and consideration, I felt like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God has for me. So there we go. Thought I knew what I was going to do the rest of my life working in daycare. And then God goes, nope, another thing for you. And so off I go into the next thing in my life. And I have been now at this current job working as a children's director at a church for the last 11 or so years. What I want to say is that sometimes these disruptions, these things that happen in our lives are not just a little like, oh, the distractions or a little uh, something small. It completely derails our life or completely changes the direction that we can go. And I know that for many people that I've talked to, it's all kinds of different things. I mean, we've talked about it here before. I've talked about it here before about how not having children is a huge disruption for me in my life. It's not at all what I thought my life would look like. But I know for some of you, it's the fact that you have children that looks so different for you than what you thought your life would look like or when you had children or when you got married or when or the fact that you're not married yet and you thought you would be or all of the things right like we all kind of had this vision of what we thought our lives would look like and then we get to different stages and we go wait a minute this isn't quite what my life i thought it was going to look like there was a disruption five or six years ago and now here we are in a totally different place than I thought I would be. And I've, I've been thinking about that in terms of the Bible story. And I think for every single character that we've talked about so far, every single one that you can read about in the Gospels, their lives were completely altered by the disruptions that happened with the birth of Jesus. But there's something really unique about the wise men, the three kings, however you want to talk about these guys that came and visited Jesus after he was born. The way the story is told a lot of times, it's kind of like this story of, um, you know, these three guys on camels and they come and it's like a birthday party and they give presents that are beautifully wrapped and they give them to Jesus and then they go back a different way so that they don't tell Herod about where Jesus is. There's actually a chance, a really high chance, and I'm not a biblical scholar in the sense of like the accuracy of all of this, but I just want to propose it because there's different clues in the book of Matthew that talk about some specific things that lead me to think that this is true. 
So these guys, we don't know how big the group is. Oftentimes we think it's three because there was three gifts, so there was three people. But that's not at all. It doesn't doesn't say anywhere in there how many of them that went. I don't know if it was three, five, 15, 20, 50. I don't know. I was at these like three or four people and then their families with their kids and their wives. And did they have servants? They may have come as a big, large group. The Bible isn't clear. It just says that there was um, wise men from the eastern lands who arrived in Jerusalem. They saw the star rising and they decided to follow it. They had been studying some ancient texts that had talked about that the star, that the Savior would be born. And so they were, they were following that star. And the thing of this story is, is that there's a good chance that they had been on this journey for two years. And you're wondering why I'm saying that? Why would they have been on it for two years? Well, because later on in the story, when when Herod goes and he does something awful, 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 he goes into Bethlehem and he kills every single baby that's two years old and younger based on the report of these wise men. When they saw the star rising, they It must have been in that time frame of two years because Herod went and then killed all of them. So back back to the the wise men in this two-year disruption in their life, this left turn. They left not knowing where they were going. They weren't exactly sure what they would find. They didn't know how long it would take them. And so I wonder if their families went with them. Did they go by themselves? Were they traveling with a group? Did they take a long time because the star would stop and start? I mean, we know it did over Jerusalem. It got to that point and they're like, okay, well, it's a this general area and Jerusalem is the capital. And so maybe this is where a king would be born. That makes the most sense. And so, of course, they would go and find out from the palace, from the king himself, like, where's this king that's supposed to be born? Of course, Herod was not very happy about this because he wanted to be the one and only king and he's not going to be happy about anyone else being king. And so he hears about this. He pretends like everything is okay and totally fine and that it's not a big deal. And oh yeah, and by the way, come back and tell me about him because I too want to go worship this king. But the wise men went on this journey that took them outside of their day-to-day, outside of their everyday life, outside of all of the things that were normal for them. It was that left turn for them. It was leaving their comfort of their home. They obviously were well off based on the on the gifts that were given. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This wasn't just a little over-the-hill weekend trip. This could have been a journey that took them two years to arrive at their destination where they went and worshipped the child, Jesus. Sometimes these disruptions that come up in our lives are life-altering. We go on this journey for seasons at a time, months, years, sometimes a lifetime. These things that come up for us that we weren't expecting, the life that we thought we would live, and it's changed and it's different. I wonder what that was like for the wise men. When they found Jesus and they worshipped him, I wonder what that felt like when they returned home. Did they feel fulfilled? 
Did that feel purposeful? What did they tell people when they went home? That they found this king, the Messiah, the promised one? Did they return with their families or were their families with them? I have so many questions and not really any answers. The Bible doesn't really give us a lot of detail. It does make me wonder and think about life's disruptions. The things that kind of set us off course, at least the course that we thought we were going on or thought we were going to do or what our lives would have or could have looked like. And now they look completely different. Of course, this part or this idea of a right turn or a left turn, whichever direction you want to go, this different direction than you thought could be applied to any of these characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, any one of them. Their lives were going a certain direction and here they are in a different place. I think that's where God does his best work. When we're willing, when we're willing to get on that camel or horse or whatever it is and go and follow that star. Even if we don't know where it is we're going or when we'll get there or how we will get there, we just know that this is what we're supposed to be doing right now until God shows us otherwise. And that could be a hard place to live. Agreed? When we don't know where we're going, we're just going to trust God until we get there. My hope for us this week is if we're feeling a little bit like our lives aren't exactly looking like we thought they would, that we'd find a little bit of hope in this Christmas story. And remembering as we reflect on it that even though life didn't look how they thought it would for these people, something good came out of it. Something great came out of it. And I'm sure it didn't always feel like it in the moment, but God was up to something good. He was up to something good in their lives, and I guarantee he's up to something good in your life too. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you again next week.